In the prologue of the rule of St. Benedict, our founder, Benedict, borrows a line from Psalm 34 and places it on the mouth of the Lord. And so he asks, Who is he who longs for life? And when I read this verse, I'm frequently tempted to ask, Who doesn't? Who doesn't long for life? Of course, a longing for life must be accompanied with hope. Hope that the life that we are going to live will be a good one, filled with peace and joy. And it is surely and sadly a mark of the culture of death that so many people today lose hope and actually stop longing for life, so that this becomes a very real question. Who, who is there out there who longs for life? One reason that we lose hope is an indirect one. It's a paradox of our world. When we long for life, as we all do, we have a tendency to want to take the matter into our own hands. And many of us today, perhaps the majority of us, give in to the temptation to seize life by our own efforts. There's a passage that occurs just before tonight's Gospel in the fifth chapter of St. John's Gospel. Our Lord says this about life. He says, God the Father gives life. And so our lives are a gift, a gift from God. And our innate yearning for a peaceful and joyful life, that hope that we cling to when life inevitably brings hardship and suffering, is a sign. Our hope for a good life is a sign of a root belief that life itself really is good and worth living. And the giver of such a gift as life must himself be good. In today's Gospel, we hear that God the Father has life in himself. This means that the gift of life is, at some level, a gift of God himself. It's a share in divine life. And we know from Revelation that divine life is a relationship, and that the goodness of life, therefore, includes relationships of love honor and care. And again, I think if you think of it for a moment, when we long for life, what we're longing for many times is friendship, companionship, the joy of sharing with others. Now we also know that when it comes to waiting and receiving this gift of life from God, oftentimes we are our own worst enemies. And so we often fail at making a gift of ourselves. Uh, we fail at this loving, honoring, and caring. And if I can put it in a stark way, the anti-sacrament of this failure is death. That is the undoing of life. However, from the very beginnings of faith, what we find right away in the scriptures if we go all the way back to the patriarch Abraham, we see that a relationship with the living God always implies hope. So even when it appears that life 
is breaking apart, a relationship with the living God implies hope. Abraham thus is willing even to offer his only son. And as the the letter to the Hebrews puts it, Abraham considered that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. So even in the midst of death, Abraham has hope for the future, to receive Isaac back. And as we go through the Old Testament, we see this hope growing in the chosen people. So that when we get to the book of Wisdom, which is probably the last book to be written in the Old Testament, uh, some people date it just uh, in the decades before Christ's birth, we hear in the first reading this beautiful hope of the just person, the just one, who appears to be dead to those who don't have hope, but is in fact at peace, has exactly this kind of life that we long for. And again, that is to say that in God, all are alive, and all who turn to God have hope of that life of peace and joy, that life that is worth living, even if we have to receive it a second time. I think that initial gift of life and this second gift of life are what we in theology call creation and redemption. The risen Christ, the one who brings redemption, who manifests the resurrection from the dead, is present to us this evening, and he is offering his body for the life of the world. God, who gives life, is offering it to us again today, in spite of our sins and failures. And it is in this living hope that we have that we set aside this special day to remember and pray for all the souls who are still in need of the perfecting of this life. God is giving us life. He's making this gift. And as it is proper, we receive this gift in communion, in relationship. We work at it together. So just as yesterday we celebrated the many, the many intercessions of the saints who already are enjoying their peace in the divine life, today it is our turn to pray, to pray for the souls who are being purified in preparation for this fullness. In Dante's great poem, The Divine Comedy, in the second part, Purgatorio, the souls in purgatory repeatedly, over and over again, they, they speak of the efficacy of our prayers for the dead and the gratitude that they feel and wish to express when devout prayers are offered and assist them and they make their way up the mountain more quickly. And this work of ours, praying for the dead, is a great benefit to us as well, because we will one day have to pass through death, and we most likely will depend on the prayers of those we leave behind for our own purification. And so let us offer this sacrifice together today for the reparation of the souls of the faithful departed, and let us remind ourselves of the hope to which we have been called in Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and honor forever and ever.